Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4247 of the Bugle audio newspaper for a visual world with me, Andy Zaltzman, fresh from the now-completed Bugle 15th anniversary live Bugle live tour. And thanks to everyone who came, and uh, for the other 7.7 billion of you who are unable to make it, I expect your apologies and excuses, handwritten, to show you mean it by the end of the week. Uh, It's Thursday the 10th of November 2022 as we record. I am back in the shed of unquenchable factuativeness in South London where hope comes to... Sorry, where I come to record. And joining me (laughs) from this week, from just up the road, it's the man who narrowly lost out in 2020 to French film star Marion Cotillard to be the new face of Chanel number five, Nish Kumar. (laughs) Numero sank, super play, Andrew. <laughs> Cartiard, um, I, I don't know what she's got that I don't have. No, I mean, I don't think that's really a question that can be answered. Really. Apart from, based on a couple of interviews I read about 15 years ago, some slightly contentious views on whether 9-11 happened. <laughs> <laughs> um. Allegedly, 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 uh, allegedly. Yeah. Well, I mean, apart from that, it's very hard to... You know, this must have been a very tough call for Chanel, that's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> listen, I, listen, Chanel, you're not the only organisation that can regularly produce odours of varying sense. <laughs> uh, and Nish, thank you very much for, uh, for, for, for still doing the show and what I know it must have been a very disappointing day for you. They've just announced the England Football World Cup squad. Massive. And despite your impressive performance on uh, Tuesday afternoon in Comedians <laughs> Football, in which you scored an uncharacteristic number of goals for you. By you uncharacteristic, failed... do you mean more than zero? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you failed to make the cut. Must be, must be gutted. No, I was devastated, Andy. I thought I'd put yeah. a good shift on Tuesday. Uh, I, I know that Gareth was watching uh, on yeah. Zoom, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, it's a it's a it's a big it's a it's a double uh, sporting disappointment for me today, Andy. Because I'm not only have I missed out on the England squad, but the uh, Indian cricket team missed out on playing any good cricket this morning <laughs> in the T20 World Cup semi final. Uh, yes. And uh, I received a uh, text message from my father as soon as the game ended that simply said England Zindabad, which <laughs> is really. Uh, <laughs> It's really evidence of the shifting loyalties of the British Indian community when it comes to the game of cricket. We support whoever's winning. <laughs> um, joining us from New York City in the democracy-torn nation of the USA, <laughs> it's the man who in 2016 came so close to being cast as Dr. Sophia Rifkin in the Assassin's Creed film and computer games before losing out to the French film star Marion Cotillard, <laughs> making this... The Bugle episode with the biggest collective beef towards the multi-award winning actress. Oh, Especially man. if you factor in my ongoing resentment at being pipped by Cotillard for Grazia Magazine's prestigious Best Dressed Star of 2013 award. But anyway, <laughs> speaking through the tears, it's Hari Kondabolu. Uh, welcome, hey, Hari. Andy. Hey, hey Nish. And Nish, I, I had a feeling you and I were going up for the same parts. I just... Didn't think it was that one. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think. Yeah, I, I, I listen. I, I didn't realise that you and I had both been pipped to the post to play Edith Piaf. Cotty, <laughs> I got there again. Cotty, I got there again. So, Harry, we'll touch on this later. But America once again in the aftermath of uh, democratically eviscerating itself. How's the? Uh, how how is New York this morning, the day after the midterms? Well. You know, we still have good coffee. 
Right. We're still, uh, you know, we're still not underwater. That's good. Yep. Uh, everything is going the way it goes every day. Um, but the long-term ramifications of what may happen in the next several weeks, um, you know, is, is heavy on all of us. Right. I, I don't know if this means anything, but my, my son, I think from the tension of the election, shit himself today. Um, <laughs> How multiple old is- times. Right. He's two. He is two. two. Right. But still, still. is that related? I and mean, he's been doing it for two years, but to be fair, it's been a tense two years. He just yeah. keeps losing bowel control. And uh, I don't know, Andy. It's sad to see him you've, embarrass himself like that. Yeah. But essentially, you've ju- you've ju- you have... You have parented a piece of physical satire on American politics, essentially, and an unstoppably <laughs> shitting child. But parented is polite. <laughs> <laughs> I am here. I am present, yes. Uh, we are recording on the 10th of November. On this day in 1793, a goddess of reason was proclaimed by the French Convention. Uh, and uh, this was in the... Uh, a slightly lively decade for France, uh, in which they ditched <laughs> Christianity and attempted to form a religion based on reason. It was called the Cult of Reason. It marked a departure from worshipping strange magical deities. It was the world's first state-sponsored secular atheist religion. So, would this signal a watershed moment in which politics cleaved itself away from its favourite mechanism of social control and indoctrination towards a more considered, logical, humane system of truth, freedom and rationality... No, it was absolute <laughs> chaos. Within a few months, it had collapsed, and all the leaders had copped a bit of a denogging curse, courtesy of what the Australians would no doubt call Gillo, the guillotine. Uh, uh, Marianne Cotillard's views on the cult of reason that briefly held sway in revolutionary France were not made clear in her appearance as Mal in the Christopher Nolan film Inception. Um, and on this day, what's, what's going on in the shed today, Andy? What's happened here? <laughs> What's, uh, I, I feel like I've let this go for as long right. as I, 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 I feel in terms of representing the voice of the listeners on this podcast. Right. Yeah, I feel I've let this go for as long as I can possibly let it go. What's got? Have you just discovered the existence of Marion Cotillard? No, no, I haven't actually. Um, um, no, no. I, to be honest, I, I can't remember how I began writing that bit. All right. What I would say is it's that time of the year where I've sort of reached a point, and obviously, you know, I wipe my brain clean on December the 31st every year, ready for a new year of news. And by mid-November, usually, I can't take another f***ing bulletin without (laughs) screaming. And sometimes, you know, you just turn to uh, another source for... uh, for inspiration and um in this case it i think it must have been some kind of uh wikipedia chain that led to marion cotillard <laughs> um i anyway, should say having yeah. briefly googled it uh cotillard did subsequently renounce her views on 9-11 oh right okay so she's <laughs> right. she's back on she's back on team 9-11 happened oh right okay and what about you what side were you on i can't remember if you'd, you'd uh uh, I, Andy, being asked what side of 9-11 were you on is eerily reminding me of an experience I had with customs at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good that that's now on the record, Nish. That should hopefully clear up any lingering, lingering confusion. Um, 
By the time you <laughs> listeners listen to this, it probably will no longer be the 10th of November, uh, since it's already quite late on the 10th of November. It may well be the 12th of November, in which case, on this day in 1927, the 12th of November, Leon Trotsky was expelled from the Communist Party in the Soviet Union, leaving Joseph Stalin as uh, in undisputable control of uh, the communist uh, super bloc. Uh, Marion Cotillard has never played the part of Trotsky, Trotsky <laughs> or Stalin in any known film or stage play. And in 1990, Tim Berners-Lee published a formal proposal for the World Wide Web, thus inadvertently paving the way for today's Bugle podcast, featuring me, Nish and Hari in three separate locations. Cheers, Timbers, much obliged. And also paving the way for numerous potential deepfake videos of Marion Cotillard playing table tennis against Trotsky. How do you f***ing sleep at night, Berners-Lee? This is on you. You know, I know that fans of this podcast get you... Right. And love you, because whenever I meet fans of this podcast after shows, not once have they asked me what I assumed they would ask me, which is, why is he like that? <laughs> and they must get you at a level that we don't. <laughs> well, that's the sweetest yeah, thing the anyone's ever said to me, Harry. Sweetest the listenership thing. of this podcast just sat there nodding their heads going, yeah, yeah, he's clearly just Googled my <laughs> And uh, that's found its way into the text. I'm feeling like the Wizard of Oz here. Just having all my <laughs> secrets revealed. Uh, as always, a section of this podcast is going straight in the bin. This week, uh, we have a greatest human creation in history knockout competition, round one. Uh, this week was a historic week because the number of things made by humans in all history reached 17 trillion 592 billion 186 million 44,416. That, of course, is four to the power of 22, which means that we can have a 22 round competition to find the best thing ever with four items in each heat and the best one going through to the next round. This competition will take probably hundreds of thousands of years. But we're going to start it with uh, Heat 1, Round 1, and the four items in the competition this week uh, to find out which is the best thing ever are T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland, a flint axe head made by some guy or other in what is now Spain 30,000 years ago, the enchilada, and a rudimentary picture of a horse drawn by a four-year-old Marianne Cotillard at nursery school. <laughs> God. Please, you can Please. vote. You can vote on uh, <laughs> on every round of this competition for however f***ing long it takes. That section is in the pit. Please, God, I believe in you right now. Make this stop. I genuinely feel like one of Mark Chapman's friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, as in the sports presenter, Mark Chapman. No, no as in the, the man who was to John Lennon what you in six months' time will be to Marion Cotillard. <laughs> <laughs> Top story this week uh, The US midterms have happened And they didn't happen quite as f***ing disastrously As everyone seemed to be anticipating USA! <laughs> USA! Uh, Donald, um, uh, Donald Trump's uh, red wave of uh, Republican votes Has failed to, uh, to materialise um, and Joe Biden, the president, described it as a good day for democracy, by which I think he meant not a fucking shit day for democracy, which is really all we could hope for around the world uh, these days. It is being viewed, Harry, as quite a big blow for Donald Trump and one which could 
prove a significant setback for his goal of the destruction of all hope and light from the universe. <laughs> um, were you surprised by this, Harry? Well, let me first say that Election Day in the U.S. should be held on Halloween because it is by far the scariest day of the year in this country. <laughs> I do not trust other people in this country. It's also the day that TV political reporters get to pretend they're weathermen, which I think was their true dream. <laughs> do you guys have magic screens in the UK or do you have dignity left in terms of news reporting? Oh, no. No, 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 no. We, we sometimes have full 3D recreations oh, my of the God. country that news presenters wander around. In fact, the, the, uh, the, the so it's all started with the swingometer. That's right. On our yeah. TV coverage. And the, the man who invented the swingometer died this week. At the He was in his 90s and uh, viewed as one of Britain's greatest sophologists, I'm uh, led to believe. So, I mean, this was, you know, I, I don't know what he would make of, of, of this, this, you know, the, the, what it's, the, the monster he has unleashed. <laughs> I mean, look, it was definitely better than it was predicted, right? Because they predicted a, a red wave and all the right wing places called it a red tsunami, um, you know, which, which it wasn't. You know, the Democrats, they didn't completely screw it up. But the sad thing is, regardless of, of what happens, the, the human race will likely still be destroyed by climate change, nuclear war, or this is a long shot. Dinosaurs returning to Earth to claim what was rightfully theirs. So in the broad scheme of things, this is somewhat irrelevant. But yeah, I suppose it was a, it was a good day for... Uh, it wasn't the worst. But the thing is, it just seems so pre premature because those Senate races haven't been decided yet. Herschel Walker and, and uh, Raphael Warnock are still very close. They have to have a runoff election. They're still that close... Uh, election in uh, Nevada, like it's not decided. So there still is a chance that the Republicans will have the House and the Senate. So I don't understand how we're. What are we celebrating exactly? That that what are we celebrating exactly? I don't really <laughs> understand that. Um, the Herschel Walker race, by the way, with Raphael Warnock is uh, very painful to watch. Uh, I, I have, I'm looking at my notes right now. I have a D next to Raphael Warnock for Democrat, and I have a D next to Herschel Walker for dummy. Um, he, he's a former professional football player with no political experience. So, of course, Trump endorsed him because he's like the <laughs> ideal candidate. This man, uh, you know, is running on family values, uh, even though he has many children that he actually does not know about, it appears. You know how um, they make... That joke, you know, like, uh, how many kids do you have? Two that I know of. He can't make that joke because <laughs> it is, he actually does not know. And many of the children that he does know exist have said they will not vote for him, uh, including Republicans, including children of his that are, are Republicans. And he actually has a chance uh, to, to be, <laughs> be the senator, uh, one of the senators. Uh, from Georgia. Also, uh, it should be noted on the family values thing, he has been accused of threatening women and uh, paying for an abortion, uh, despite obviously being against uh, abortion. But it should be noted that he uh, has multiple personality disorder and he has claimed that it wasn't actually him that did those things. But it's because he has multiple personality disorder, which is the strangest version of Shaggy's It Wasn't Me <laughs> I have ever heard. <laughs> and really, 
a an incredible way to apply corporate law to yourself. <laughs> like it wasn't me, Herschel Walker. It was Herschel Walker Limited. <laughs> <laughs> But that race is still, despite everything I've just told you, that election's still up for grabs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess in terms of why people have been more positive about it from, I guess, the, the, the center, the left and the sort of anti-Trump world is that the candidates endorsed by Trump seem generally to do a lot worse than was expected. And Trump himself, the former president, human emetic and poster boy of tantrumist politics, was reported to have been screaming at everyone as the results emerged and showed that, you know, the 2020 election result in which he inspired more Americans to vote against their incumbent president than any of his predecessors had ever managed was no... Uh, fluke, even if, of course, we all know it was uh, entirely fraudulent and that 25 million corpses voted for Biden, 300 million votes for Trump were discounted because someone counting votes in Georgia took a piss in a gender-neutral toilet and yeah. CNN just put some made-up numbers on the screen and everyone, for whatever reason, went along with it. We all know that, but the point is that it wasn't uh, it wasn't a fluke. Uh, I mean, Nish, I know, um, you know you and Donald Trump haven't always seen eye-to-eye -eye, uh, <laughs> politically. Um and you've probably had some very awkward golf days with him, I imagine. Yeah. Um, but I mean, do you, I, I'm seeing articles in various papers saying this—you know, this this could mark the the beginning of the end of the Trump influence on American politics. Is that are we? Is that too early to say? Do you think? Well, he was supposed <laughs> to make an announcement about um, running for 2024, um, and now there are rumours that he may stand that announcement down. Uh, and he's being encouraged by people in his inner circle not to announce in the immediate aftermath of these results, which, as you say, there does seem to be a correlation between candidates Trump supported and maybe them subsequently underperforming. Uh, and the Republican Party seems to be caught in this very difficult situation where Trump is still very popular with the Republican base, who are... And I mean, I don't wish to speak ill uh, uh, of people, but at the same time, they are to a man cunts. Just an absolute <laughs> pack of flat earthing witch burners. And it, it, it's uh, because of this, the so-called red wave uh, didn't materialise. Red wave, which let's not beat around the bush, sounds like a sanitary product, which feels <laughs> fair. I would say fairly appropriate given one of the key issues in these elections was women's health care. And surprisingly, the Republican position is strongly against. They were they came out very strongly against the concept of women's health. And that seems to have bitten them uh, in the backside because uh, abortion, which uh, had previously not been a hugely decisive issue in polling around how people were going to vote in national elections, uh, has now become uh, incredibly important. And uh, in three states, California, uh, Vermont and Michigan, uh, voters voted to protect abortion rights in their state constitutions because that was also something that they were voting on. Uh, because I have to say, American democracy is like the film Tenet in that it really only makes sense to the people within it. And everyone outside of it, sort of a group of baffled onlookers uh, with popcorn dribbling down their chin as their jaws hang open in sheer confusion as to what's going on. But Oh, yeah, I, I totally get what's happening right now, Mish. Uh, this, is, this makes complete and other sense to me. An American who was born and raised here and has witnessed every moment of this last 10 to 20 years. This, this is exactly as it was written. This makes complete sense. But the, the scale of the defeat, because uh, it does, 
at the moment seem like uh, the uh, Republicans will take control of uh, Congress and the Senate is probably going to come down to this runoff between uh, Raphael Warnock and, I mean, Herschel Walker, who is the absolute pit. Um, but all this talk about Trump potentially delaying his announcement, that implies a level of self-awareness mm. that has never haunted Donald Trump. Say what you will about Donald Trump. He's not a man overly bothered by how people perceive him. And so, I mean, he, I, I, I think I still think he will probably announce, but just because like, the man's got absolutely no sense of, no sense of himself. Um, a positive thing uh, about it is that... Uh, the youth turnout uh, was it had the second highest youth turnout. That is voters between 18 and 29 uh, in almost three decades. The slightly depressing thing about that is the youth turnout was 27 <laughs> percent, <laughs> uh, which is obviously which is obviously subpar. But that age group uh, heavily uh, voted for the Democrats. And it was pretty uh, and it's turning out to be quite a decisive uh, group of people. Uh, unfortunately, uh, old people seem to hate their children. And that is a real like political problem that we're seeing all over the world. There is just a generation of people that seem to look at their children and grandchildren and think, you f***ing sponging I am going to do whatever I can to ruin your futures. You've ruined my life. You've ruined my lives, and, I, and I'm going to take my revenge on you. And that seems to be the big thing of global politics around the world. It's just a generation of people who fucking hate their children and grandchildren. <laughs> I still think that Trump is is in a strong position because, like, they didn't. They weren't voting against Trump. They were voting against guys that aren't Trump that Trump endorsed. That's a different thing altogether. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's not just because the, you know, just because Joey, the Friends spinoff, didn't succeed, that doesn't mean <laughs> Friends is any less popular. All right? This is just a, a bunch of failed spinoffs, but he's still the, he's still the big guy. Right. Yeah, that's, that puts it in harrowing terms, uh, Harry. I don't know. I... Like you, Nish, I, I, the more I learn about American politics, the less sense uh, it makes. Um, yeah. That yeah. said, when you compare it with Indian politics, I think that might be the most confusing thing ever devised by humanity. Um, having Indi spent Indian politics is not actually that complicated, Andy. It's just uh, he who bribes the most wins the most. <laughs> Isn't it just That's... the British system with just more open bribery? If yeah, anything, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's honest. It's a more honest <laughs> form of democracy. <laughs> One of the big uh, contested races was what was happening in uh, Pennsylvania. Dr. Oz, uh, the, uh, the, the TV doctor, probably one of the few uh, things Oprah has done to harm humanity, yeah. <laughs> making him and Dr. Phil famous. Uh, but he ran for the Senate against John Fetterman, a Democrat, uh, who only wears sweatshirts, which makes him relatable to the average man. <laughs> love uh, it. The hoodied politician. Love Fantastic. it. And um, he, obviously he's white. Otherwise, that wasn't going to work. Um, <laughs> but um, he had had a stroke. And the big issue was, would people vote for Dr. Oz, despite the, fa the fact he had... Uh, a stroke and, and happily they uh, they didn't even though like people were hammering um fetterman for like oh he was slurring during the debates and he was having trouble remembering things and i'm like are you kidding me i saw them he sounded fine and also 
you're worried about people slurring their words and getting confused and not knowing what they're saying. We've had Trump, George W. Bush, and Ronald Reagan as president. You're really <laughs> concerned that this is going to be a problem. And luckily, enough Pennsylvania voters understood that and voted for Fetterman <laughs> against, you know, this weird composite of, of a doctor and the ShamWow guy and Lori Grenier from QVC. He's a, <laughs> he's a man who sells diet pills on television, and he luckily did not win. Um, in terms of the Democrats and what is going to, you know, we've been talking a lot about Trump and him running for president again. Uh, Biden was asked whether he would run again and uh he said he said yes uh which initially when i saw the headline you know should biden run i'm like Ab absolutely not i mean at, at best at a man at his age should be jogging or fast walking <laughs> he's way to run to really and then i it was like oh run for president absolutely not no no that is a terrible idea <laughs> He did something quite strange yesterday during the um there was a, a press conference at the I think at the White House and um he was asked a question and he was just silent for I'd seem like ten or fifteen seconds. And you know, I know some people would say, Well, you know, this is a sign of it, you know, an old man uh, who maybe doesn't have quite the faculties he would. And then I realised what it probably was was something that we just don't see in politics now. We've just become completely unused to it. And that is someone thinking about what they were about to say before saying it. And it was so unfamiliar. I just I just couldn't quite comprehend what or why he was doing it. But, to be um, fair, Joe Biden isn't really known for his tact and carefully <laughs> deliberating <laughs> the words. And the only fact he looks reasonable is that Trump absolutely didn't. So Biden's <laughs> like, man, he takes an extra second <laughs> before he says something yeah, ridiculous. That, the, the bar is very low for strangeness oh. in that particular job at the moment. As long as he's not got his trousers and pants around his ankles and he's actively flinging his own shit at reporters, <laughs> he looks like an absolute paradigm of normalcy. <laughs> if anything, that would uh, raise his approval rating. Yeah. Like, finally, this is entertaining. Yeah, I yeah. missed how entertaining Trump was. This is a blast. Yeah. Didn't see this coming. Yeah, Biden. World star. Listen, what are we hoping for? Are we hoping uh, for the next two years seeing the Republican Party tear itself to shreds as they can't choose between Ron DeSantis and the MAGA wing of the party and its leader, Donald Trump? Yes, that's exactly what we're hoping for. The, the humanity's best hope is the Republican Party implodes into itself. That There are so many issues currently facing the entire planet and obviously mainly facing the people of America that are completely dependent on the Republican Party having their own internal civil war. So I guess all we could do is encourage that. Ron DeSantis, guess what? I heard Trump saying your willy was terrible. <laughs> your willy was terrible. Ter terribly sized. Does it weigh terribly? Does it smell terribly? Is it Shaped clear? Weird, isn't it? And it has the word written on it in pen. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day it could have been worse and surely that is the motto of american democracy that is the literal translation of e pluribus unum it could have been much worse his penis was two inches long and seven inches wide it looked like a it looked it looked like a brick 
I, I, I stole that from Kurt Vonnegut. Kurt Vonnegut says something like that in Breakfast of Champions. One of the funniest things I've ever read in my life. That that one, that one phrase. Harry Condobolo is maybe the only stand-up in the world who has material overlap with Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> You haven't read Kurt Vonnegut's book on cricket stats, uh, shamelessly <laughs> ripped off over the years. What, what, what does Kurt Vonnegut say when uh, a ball gets past somebody and hits a boundary? Uh, he says, so it goes. <laughs> I, I genuinely can't believe, Harry, that you had the f***ing audacity to accuse Andy of being too obtuse with his cotty <laughs> <laughs> how how genuinely how dare you accuse him of being obtuse when you have produced a Kurt Vonnegut cricket joke? <laughs> this, this isn't me. Two this things, isn't me. This is this is Stockholm by- syndrome. Please, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't me, Kurt man. <laughs> I've been on the bugle too much, man. This isn't me. <laughs> I don't talk like this. What happened to me? <laughs> I guess that's the great thing with podcasting as an art form, isn't it? That there's a niche for everything, and I think this podcast is very much in that niche for Kurt, Kurt Vonnegut fans who admire the acting work of Marion Cotillard and uh, and like cricket. And that's you know, it's a big world. There's a niche for everything. This podcast is an obtuse fetish. <laughs> it is one of the really low down categories on Pornhub. <laughs> Other deranged individuals now, uh, news now, and um, well, the Elon Musk era of Twitter has. Uh, well, it's begun. Uh, some stuff has happened. Musk, when it comes to Twitter, Musk has been very much like a cesium-coated walrus belly flopping into a crowded paddling pool. It's caused total and utter uh, mayhem. It's been a, I mean, it's been an interest. It's been a curious. I mean, he's he's been baffling the world for a long time. But I think now, maybe more than ever. Let me <laughs> before we we go further. Let me just say this. This Elon Musk is the perfect reason why I think Nelson Mandela should have been more vengeful. <laughs> he got out of prison and he was like, we have to build, we're building a nation. And he, Elon Musk was allowed to keep his wealth and his, pr- yeah. look what happened. You should, I'm not saying go full on Idi Amin or Mugabe. I'm not saying go full on. But a little bit, you know, if you just nip this shit in the bud, we never would have gotten here. Right. Meanwhile, this guy got to do whatever he wanted to do, and now he's destroying the world. So you're, you're blaming Nelson Mandela for the fact that Twitter's <laughs> become even more toxic in the last You know, I, I mean, never that's... thought, yes. I'm sure you never thought someone could make yeah. such a logical leap. But yes, I am. Well, I am okay. right. saying that Nelson Mandela was too peaceful, too kind. <laughs> he had an opportunity... To destroy the boars and he didn't take it. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's um I mean, listen, it's not it's not had he's not had a great week, is what I would say. Um Nelson he, Mandela uh, or Elon Musk? Well in a in both philosophically. <laughs> uh, Nelson Mandela has not not yet come back from the dead, so I guess you've got to count that as a bad week. Plus he's just been blamed by a podcaster <laughs> for <laughs> <laughs> the career, the career of Elon Musk. So that, that's a double L in Big Nell's comment for this oh, week. I guess i got to cancel that show in Johannesburg now. 
<laughs> but yeah, uh, Musk on Twitter is. Uh, I mean, it's it's sort of been a chaotic day uh, t- today uh, because they Twitter planned to he, he planned to introduce a verification scheme by which Twitter users could pay uh, $8 uh, to get the blue tick that is a stamp of verification uh, on the website. Uh, He, unfortunately, what that led to, because it does suggest that Elon Musk has no experience of Twitter, the way that he's (laughs) going about it, because obviously, inevitably, what that led to was a string of people paying the $8 and becoming verified as George Bush, Tony Blair and various world figures. Uh, two fake accounts for Bush and Blair, which had verification, presumably purchased through the $8 scheme, were having a discussion about how much they missed starting the Iraq war. <laughs> That's hilarious. That, that happened. That happened, literally, that literally happened That's this the morning. So then in, in, in an attempt to firefight the problem, uh, Twitter has today uh, started blocking new accounts from its $8 Twitter verification scheme. <laughs> <laughs> so, so currently the only accounts that can so as things stand today uh, the only accounts that can pay for Twitter are accounts that already have Twitter for free many of whom I imagine already have their blue tick sorted so it's just been a day of uh, absolute chaos at the end of a, a week of absolute chaos. Uh, Musk has also said that he's, uh, <laughs> uh, as we record, he said that they're going to end Twitter's working from home scheme uh, and that he will be personally reviewing people's reasons for why they need to work from home. And you're just like, <laughs> do you genuinely not have enough to do at this point. <laughs> the reason I think, and a lot of people seem to think he bought it, is because people are making fun of him on the website. So here's our, my plan. Let's start slagging Musk on the regs, just every single week on the Bugle, right. and get him to buy the Bugle. Let's right. get a cash injection from Elon Musk of like 44 this. billion, and let's yep. just start slagging, hey, Elon, you fucking weird c- He looked like you were carved out of ham, but somebody <laughs> made your face too small for your head. <laughs> Well, look. When, I mean, you say forty-four billion. I, I think I'd, I'd say twenty-two billion. I, I mean, I'd take half that. If, if Musk <laughs> wants to buy the bugle out for twenty-two billion, Andy, don't negotiate down. This is exactly right. the sort of financial planning that's afflicting your own financial status. <laughs> Try not to. Don't negotiate. The guy paid forty-four billion dollars for a website where people just share pictures of cats. Like, I, I really think we could get more for the right, bugle. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll go. We'll go twenty-four. Twenty-four million. Billion, billion, sorry, billion, Elon. Since he took over Twitter, um, the Saudi Arabia's Kingdom Holding Company uh, has become the second largest investor in Twitter. And it's just the latest thing that Saudi Arabia have bought, ranging from the concept of golf to uh, Premier League football clubs. Uh, And as the old song goes, money can't buy you love, but it can buy you a series of investments that bake your regime into the life and culture of the world in a completely unaccountable fashion. And I have actually noticed that, I mean, there's been talk of a mass exodus from Twitter. um, And and, and I think the Bugle Twitter following has has dropped partly, I don't know, because... uh, I, I barely post anything on it, and people can't be asked with it anymore. Uh, or, um, but I, I, are, are people just going to just leave Elon Musk with a forty-four billion dollar uh, online white elephant, which is basically just him shouting at his own reflection? 
I mean, how, how far? <laughs> is it, I think maybe six to eight months. That is what Twitter will be. It's kind of a. It's kind of almost the best practical joke you can imagine. You spend forty four billion, and everyone collectively agrees that they're done with it at the same time. Oh, it, it's real chaos. Uh, somebody has been uh, pretending to be. Somebody has who has paid eight dollars is pretending to be Ben Shapiro, uh, and uh, has said <laughs> and has entered into a conversation with someone else who's pretending to be Ted Cruz. Uh, and Ben Shapiro has tweeted, "I've always wondered what a woman's body feels like and looks like in real life without clothes. That would be so cool." To which the fake Ted Cruz has replied, "The first time I entered my human wife, I said, groaning into her ear, this is exactly how Mother said it would feel.'" So I mean, like, okay, this is what happens when somebody buys something without any knowledge whatsoever of its internal workings. Any one of us could have told Elon Musk that if you buy Twitter and try and impose things on its user base, all hell will break loose. I think also what we're finding is that, and we see this this age of sort of corporate dominance of the world, is that there is a force that cannot be beaten. And that is the force of human childishness. And I think Elon Musk has butted up against that. We we saw that with the the Boaty McBoakface thing here a, a few years ago, and I, mean, I think mate, is that our that's the only play we've got left as a species against the destruction of our own planet is being unbelievably childish at every possible opportunity, and maybe maybe that's all we need. We don't need love. We don't How need dare you accuse me of childishness, Andy? Or indeed, <laughs> any of the three of us of childishness? Because we're all verified on Twitter, which means, uh, as I've just found out when I clicked on my own blue tick, that my account is verified because it's notable in government, news, entertainment, or another designated category. <laughs> That's bumped it up to 30 billion. Um... <laughs> Elon, please, just have a wank before you buy something next time. That's what I would say. This the the only thing that makes sense is Elon was backed up in the sack and made a wild decision. <laughs> uh, well, that brings us to the end of this week's uh, bugle. Uh, don't forget, next week, beginning on Sunday in Leeds, the thirteenth of November, I'm doing uh, a week of satirists for high gigs, thirteenth to the eighteenth. Uh, Leeds, Bath, Brighton, Tunbridge Wells, Cardiff and Worcester. If you are coming, uh, do... I think Cardiff might be sold out and Tunbridge Wells very nearly sold out. The homecoming. Um, The The return of the the king. (laughs) Don't call it a comeback. (laughs) Um, Yes. uh, In the Trinity Arts Centre, lovely venue, uh, the only place my my late grandmother saw me do stand-up, and it's fair to say, I was not her favourite comedian. Um... (laughs) Anyway, uh, that was a long time ago. But do come along to the shows. If you are coming, do send your satirical request for the show to satirise this at satiristforhire.com. Nish, anything to plug? Uh, Australian buglers, uh, specifically those that live in Melbourne or Sydney, all have sufficient means and interest in getting to Melbourne and Sydney. (laughs) Uh, I will be uh, doing my shows there. The Melbourne show on the 28th of November is sold out. Uh, and then I'm doing another show on the 29th, 
and then I'm doing a show in Sydney on the 30th and then a show on the 1st uh, of December. Um, and all of the tickets for those are available at nishkumar.co.uk. Uh, in a slightly surprised turn of events, uh, given that in the Southern Hemisphere the water goes down the other way, down the plug hole, uh, it's... I have sold at a surprising pace. There are only about 20 tickets left. Up is down, left is right in Australia. But the tickets have sold at a speed that has surprised, frankly, all of us. Uh, and I include myself and my agents in that conversation. Uh, so, yeah, there's only about 20 tickets left uh, for uh, the, three remaining, uh, the three remaining gigs. So I would act quickly. Uh, Hari, what have you got coming up? I got uh, tour dates and an announcement Tour dates, uh, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, November 15th, Atlanta, Georgia on the 16th, uh, Bugle Stronghold, Tulsa, Oklahoma on the 17th, <laughs> Lawrence, <laughs> Tulsa Bugle Army, <laughs> Lawrence, Kansas on uh, November 18th, St. Louis on November 19th. If I survive that tour, um, <laughs> Olympia, Washington, December 13th, San Diego, December uh, 16th to 18th, Tucson, December 19th, Santa Cruz, December 20th, and Sacramento, December 21st. All that, of course, is uh, available on hurrykundabolu.com or Google Hurry and Comedian and you'll figure it out. Um, And the announcement, I am uh, the co-host of the show uh, Snack vs. Chef, which premieres on Netflix on November 30th uh, with my co-host Meg Stalter. Uh, who is on the show Hacks. So if you like the right. political content of this show, uh, you know, just watch that show so I can make more money. Um, <laughs> but thank you for listening, uh, Buglers. We have a week off next week because I'm on tour. There will be some uh, a bonus sub-Bugle, and uh, then we'll be back the following week before I then head to Pakistan. I've done today's show having been jabbed with all manner of diseases uh, yesterday, and... Um, yeah, I have to say, I was feeling a little sluggish before the start, which I'm going to blame on a little bit of polio in the arm. Um, <laughs> but, uh, who knows? Uh, we will now play you out with some entries on the Bugle Wall of Fame. Uh, to join the Bugle Voluntary Subscription Scheme to make a one-off or a current contribution to help keep the show free, flourishing and independent, go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the donate button. The Bugle Wall of Fame Simon Hawkins was the person who suggested to the ancient Greeks that they make the columns on their temples round instead of square. And Paul Browning actually bred a working sphinx, unlike the Egyptians, who were only able to pretend one out of stone. Finnegan Southey discovered that the South Pole was in the wrong place and moved it a couple of hundred miles further south until it actually worked. Ma Howell not only invented the balloon, but was the first person to make a model of any quadrupedal mammal exclusively out of balloons. Philip Curavilla suggested to Ian Fleming that James Bond should be a secret service agent. Fleming had originally wanted his character to be a postman. Tom Vesters invented the sofa by accidentally breeding an armchair with a bed during a botched experiment, and Adam Warren was the person responsible for the 3,000-metre steeplechase being accepted into the Olympic track and field programme, this after he suggested removing the traditional piranhas from the water jump. 
Jeremy Ackerman Yost launched Elvis Presley on the path to superstardom when he suggested that the singer change his name from Fernie Splodgings. And Thomas Taylor discovered that there is a biological difference after all between chickens and mackerel. It had previously been assumed that they were just the same creature adapting to different surroundings. And finally, Kevin Lyder formalised the sonnet at 14 lines long, up from the original six, at which point it had really just been a limerick with an extra line tagged on the end for advertising purposes. Congratulations to all those people for joining the Bugle Wall of Fame. To join them, go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the donate button. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss Lime Bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.